Hello, my loves. Welcome to Tea with Kings and Queens, the podcast where I chat to the most exciting he, she's and they's from the world of drag, burlesque and cabaret. In today's episode, I'm talking to that wonderful drag king, Don Juan. London-based Don has been lighting up stages across the country with their slick singing, hilarious chat and inclusive shows. In today's episode, we chat about mental health, the emotional impact of COVID, their debut in the West End in Death Drop and their most recent role in Panto alongside Davina DeCampo. Enjoy. So in today's episode, I'm thrilled to be talking to the smooth crooner straight from the West End, Don Juan. Hello, my love. How are you? Hello, how are you? And thank you for um, inviting me. I'm really good. I'm oh. feeling, I've got that Friday feeling. Um, I mean, yeah. you know, that anyone could be listening to this on any day of the week, but it's actually Friday as we're recording, and I am feeling, I'm feeling in the zone. I'm glad because it is Friday, but it is still January, and it feels a bit long. Um, but so you haven't got any January blues. No, I haven't. And I will tell you how I fend off my January blues. So oh. I am really into, I'm into yoga, but I'm particularly into hot yoga. Um, and I did, and I normally go between two and three times a week. Um, I am a bit of a, I'll either do the gym or a swim or yoga. I am a bit of, a, I'm not like a, really hardcore fitness freak but I do like to I have to work out for my mental balance so Mm. that you know healthy body healthy mind is totally you know works for me so um and I've been doing I've had I've done two sessions so far this week anyhow I just feel that always helps snap me out of this kind of miserable January feeling. Yeah. Um, hot, hot yoga's always looked like slight torture to me. Tell me about it. Yeah. So lots of people think that. And I think for some people it is torture, but I just, so I'm a real, I love the heat. I absolutely, I am just a complete sun baby. And because I've got black skin, it, it really works with my, with my skin. So when I'm in the sun, I just radiate and so I also love going to saunas and steam rooms and all that kind of stuff Mm. and so hot yoga is pretty much like doing yoga in a sauna um, which as you've said for some people sounds like it actually sounds like hell and it can be as hot as hell but um, it has some really amazing benefits because while you're doing all the stretching you're also detoxifying and it works with a lot of your internal systems to help Mm. cleanse so I just come out of it feeling kind of reborn which sounds a bit um hot like extreme but actually that's how I feel I come out and I'm like I just and I go in and I always go in thinking oh I can't believe and and some classes are 60 minutes, but the most of the classes are 90 minutes. So I do a lot of the 90 minutes class, 90 minute classes. And um, I come out and I, I go in and I'm like, I can't believe I'm putting myself through 90 minutes of this. And then I come out and I'm like, I'm so glad I put myself through 90 yeah. minutes of this. So yeah, it's um, it just it just makes me feel good. I sweat a lot, as you do. It's normally anywhere between 35 and 40 degrees heat and um, centigrade, that is. And um, and it's just, it's, yeah, it, you sweat, but you just, I will go in there having, as we often do, overthinking about things. And I'm a big overthinker, so I will be like, oh, I need to do this, I need to do da, 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 da. And then I'll do the class and then everything's gone from my head. Yeah. It's just finding that one thing, isn't it? Just so your brain shuts off, just that yeah. one thing. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I do. It's like moving meditation. And I also meditate. Mm. So I'm a bit of a, yeah, I'm all into all that kind of Zen stuff. That's hard work too, isn't it? Meditation. It can be. Yeah, it can be. But I don't see it as hard work because I've been meditating for, gosh, for many years now. And I've actually been on on retreats can't say the word I've been on meditation retreats and um 
and I've done some silent meditation. So um, just like for a full day, um, and uh, there's a meditation called Vipassana, which is 10 days of silence that I really want to do. Um, and I think that would be very hard, but I also think it would be really good for, you know, for the soul or for the mind and for, you know, just to, because we are so busy and I'm always busy and, you know, most people I know, I live in London, it's like everyone seems to be busy. So to just stop um, and just be still and try and let your kind of mind let go of just constant thoughts is a really good thing to do. So I normally meditate every day unless I've, you know, unless I'm hungover or something. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I try to be quite um, kind of disciplined about it. So not too disciplined, but I just, I just, even if it's 10 minutes a day, I just um, do that. And it really helps to ground me. Yeah, yeah. It is just, I think, just having a moment of, and for anyone who doesn't meditate or for anyone that thinks it's a bit like, ooh, um, you know, a bit um, crazy, I'm, you know, they're probably thinking what, but it's it's just a practice of being still and, and focusing on your breath and trying to be in the moment and really kind of acknowledging that everything is actually okay. So sometimes our minds are racing and we're, we've just got so much going on and we feel like everything's too much. And that happens to me a lot. And, you know, I know it happens to other people a lot where you just like, Oh, it's all too much. And if you just stop and breathe and just give yourself some time to not think about or to, and often people will still be thinking, I often am still thinking while I'm meditating, but I try not to hold on to the thoughts. I try to just, one of the exercises I do is to try and watch, like my thoughts are like clouds and they're just Mm -hmm. passing me by. So it's just not holding on to thoughts um, because most of them are completely irrelevant. And like we have apparently something like 80,000 thoughts a day. It's just, it's just, uh, you know inside the amount of thoughts that we have coming in and out of you know you'll be thinking about oh I've got to do that but then oh what if I do that and then and you just constantly and so just letting go of that um can just be really beneficial and it definitely calms me down it definitely keeps me more grounded more zen more capable mm. of being able to do what I do mm. Um, And I think it makes me a better person. I think it's crucial to have something where you can just sit and be still. I mean, I've I've tried meditation a lot over a few years and I'd love to make time for it every day. And it's something that we should. But particularly over the last few years, you know, just to be able to create that headspace, just to stop all those thoughts, whether they be negative or irrelevant and just take time in the moment. Has it helped you over the last few years, do you think? Oh, my word, without a doubt, yeah, mm. because um, obviously there was lockdown. <laughs> yeah, we will get to that. We'll get yeah. to that. So just finding, um, and I do, as, aside from the the kind of gym and the sauna, and obviously when we were in lockdown and all that stuff was closed, um, and I said sauna, I mean hot yoga, but, mm. um, and I do like a sauna as well, I love a sauna. But yeah, so all of that stuff, when that was closed in lockdown, I just did loads of walking every day. I know, you know, that was what we were allowed to do, but I would often walk for like an hour to two hours a day. Um, and and I find that quite meditative because it's just walking and I clear a lot out of my head in that time and sometimes I'll listen to podcasts or audiobooks I'm a big audiobook fan um and sometimes I would just walk and listen to everything you know nature so I'll I live in Hackney and I'm not that far from Hackney Marshes and you can do a really nice like hour and a half two hour walk around there and it's just really peaceful and I'm also really into nature as well so I just feeling like I'm 
walking around in the trees and with the birds and all that kind of and water just helps me to feel calm so yeah all of that stuff I'm really big on and I think we need it I think I think with everything that we've gone through over the last couple of years without that um, and I I constantly felt for because I'm a massive empath like probably just it's like I, I almost need to calm my empathy down because <laughs> mm-hmm. I empathize with everyone and everything. And like I'm vegan, I'm like, all oh, the animals, all oh, the people, all oh, that. And I'm just constantly. But um, so I I'm a real empath and I was constantly thinking about people in lockdown in um, blocks like high up in flats and people who were less able-bodied to be able to get out and um and I know that there were you know lots of people like that around the country and also older people who just you know had to stay indoors I my heart was just breaking for for all those people because the thing that saved me was being able to go out and walk and move about um so yeah it's I, I think that's what makes me acknowledge the fact that even though all these times have been difficult for lots of us, there's always someone who's having a much harder time than you. So I agree. I always bring it back to that. I also think we're not ready yet to deal with the emotional impact that the last two years is. We're not sort of far enough away from it all, are we, to sort of assess how it's really affected everybody. Um this leads us on to your really nice, well, your fantastic discussion with Latrice Royale in your new podcast, yeah. uh, Don Juan Chats, where you talk about, well, the impact, the emotional impact of COVID, really, of having COVID, but also the emotional impact of lockdown. What made you decide, well, to start a podcast, first of all, but then to focus on that as your topic? Because it's a really great discussion. It's on Spotify if uh, people haven't heard it yet. Yeah, and and I think it's now on Apple and possibly Google Podcasts. Right. But yeah, I've tried to connect it all up because it's um so uh, so it's what what made me want to start a podcast is um the need to create more discussions around mental health and emotional well being, and the podcast. So the first one I've done with Latrice and there is a second one just about to come out with Prince Silva um but all of the podcast conversations in some way weave into things that impact on our mental health and the first discussion I have with Latrice on the podcast is about COVID and the mental health impacts and the reason I wanted to have that is just because Everyone talks so much about the physical side of COVID, which actually feeds into the mental mm-hmm. um, mental health side of it because the fear that COVID has created in us as a society is just is off the scale. And we had, um, so we actually had the chat in November last year, so a couple of months ago, and we had, me and Latrice had COVID we all got co- well there were five of us out of the death drop cast which we'll talk about uh, the west end show that we yeah. were in together um but yeah five of us got um got covid and we the show got shut down for a week and we obviously all had to isolate and actually some of us were really I mean I was really unwell for about four or five days I was literally bed bound um and it was the Delta variant which really took a lot of people down and it was my first time of having Covid um and I was just I had gone from being um in a West End show doing seven shows a week being super active and physical to suddenly feeling like I was I I I mean I'm not gonna say I felt like I was dying but I felt the worst I have felt in a long long time I can't remember the last time I felt that bad it was it wasn't it felt worse than flu because it just felt like 
um, an illness that I'd never experienced before and something that was attacking so much of me. So it was like I felt really weak. I couldn't eat. I couldn't. I was drinking water, but even water tasted awful and it was making me sick. And I was just like, I couldn't smell, I couldn't taste. I was just like, and actually I could taste, but I had this, I called it the COVID taste because it was just everything tasted really bad and kind of off. And, it sounds very scary. Oh, it was. And and also I live by myself. So, um, and, you know, obviously lots of people have to isolate, even if they're sharing or whatever. But I was um, by myself and I isolated for the 10 days and for at least four or five of those I couldn't get out of bed and I was just it just it was really scary it was really like um it was that constant and the fever and the constant sweats the only thing that I was managing to do um every kind of other day was change my bed and that was because I was sweating so much Mm -hmm. and um it was just awful and I just felt in that, at that point in time, I felt, um, I mean, I felt really ill and really sad and really lonely and really just all these emotions that, and I remember because my um, uh, the, my bed faces a window, which is a bonus because I could look out the window. But at one point it was about three days in and I was just sick of seeing the same, like just houses opposite. And I was just thinking... I started to feel a bit mad. I started Mm -hmm. to feel like I was losing it. It's that feeling like you're kind of, I kind of felt like I was in prison or something. It was really bizarre. And also not being able to eat, you really, your energy is really low and you just feel um, just so strange. And so everything felt just not like my life. And um and I just that that and I would just be in bed crying, just like I feel terrible, like I just feel so sad. And um, and so I then after recovering and when we'd come out of lockdown and this was about August, had a chat with someone at, um, at a party about it was just a small gathering. But we we were just chatting about people who'd had COVID and these these people talked about the same experience and mm-hmm. how bad emotionally and mentally they'd felt and I just thought gosh I really this really needs to be talked about and I'd been wanting to start a podcast for some time and I thought um I just want to talk about all of these things that affect our mental health um COVID being one of those things and my plan is to talk about all of the different things that feed in so things like ending a relationship the um the podcast coming up is really um quite powerful actually because it's Prince Silver's experience of transitioning and how that impacted on their mental physical and emotional well-being and um and I let them do a lot of the talking because you know that's their journey to talk about but I wanted to hear that's that story because I know that um for someone going through that, it must just be um, an absolute um, roller coaster of emotions and and you know all of those things. So, um, so yeah, Don Juan chats, which um, docs I'm calling for short, and that does feed into the fact that there's. I feel like you know I'm being a little bit of a doctor. I haven't got a qualification, <laughs> and I've got, I went to the school of life, but I am. Um, I am. I do want to have open conversations with people about things that um, affect our mental health. And and one of the important conversations that will be coming up, um, hopefully that will be out in the next two or three weeks, is from the perspective of um, a black person and the race debate that is forever ongoing. And feeding into the Black Lives Matter um, movement of 2020 that has led to such a shift, but also this feeling of black exhaustion that um, that you can get as a person of colour. And so that is, and that one for me is going to be quite important because. 
that has affected me emotionally and mentally. And, and so I just want to be able to have these conversations and just um, talk openly to some people who have got, you know, can give me their view and, and I feel like they, they've got an understanding of the topic as well. So um, yeah, the, the, the first chat with Latrice is out now. So I'd love people to go and check that out and to just um, to listen to the episodes coming up because I'm, uh, yeah, it's a really exciting project, as you know, because you're a, a podcaster. So yeah. Yeah. Um, have you found it cathartic having all these kind of really important discussions about kind of things that really matter to you? Yes. As well? Yeah. Yeah. And it feels, it does feel, I've said this to some of the people that I talk to that, it's going to be like a little bit of a mini therapy session because we're, you know, we're not, we're never going to get too deep into, and actually some of the conversations will go a little bit deep, but mm. anyone who knows me or has seen me perform knows that, you know, my um, stage persona is all about keeping things light and funny and making people laugh. And, um, and actually, I think that my aim is to have discussions, but to always end up on a, at a point where we've gone through something and we, we end up with um, an outcome from the mm. discussion and a takeaway. And that's what I just hope that this will encourage people to think, you know, about um, how other people are feeling in relation to, you know, when the, the conversation with Prince Silver is so important because of the trans lives movement and so much work that needs to be done um towards promoting trans rights and um and so I just think you know all of the areas that I'm talking about feel relevant to so many people and I just hope people will take something away from it so yeah it's it's a it's a great new project and I'm really enjoying it well I am too I listened to the first episode and it's it's really lovely so I hope everyone um, along may it continue as well and firstly I don't know how you're fitting it in to be honest because you've literally just finished Panto so um it's pretty impressive yeah um, tell us a bit about Panto experience you were in Sleeping Beauty with Davina DeCampo recently I mean really it must have been such a contrast for you because lockdown happened. Then you're off in the West End doing Death Drop and then you're in Panto. I mean, how have you dealt with that change? Yeah, so I will. So do you know what? I'm going to start. I'm going to talk about Death Drop first. Yeah. Because doing um, the West End, getting cast in a West End show just after lockdown was amazing. So yeah. Um, the the way that death drop came about is that I got um it was actually a message via Instagram from the producer and um and the producer Chris Clegg and the writer Holly Stars had um contacted me and said that they thought I'd be great for a role in a West End show and when I first got the message, I thought, is this a joke? Because it was an Instagram message. And then I, and then I looked up the show and I was like, oh, no, because they had started it. And um, and that had, they'd started it in December 2020. Mm. And then it had got shut down by lockdown. And Kima Bob was playing the role that I took on of Bill Maker. And Kima couldn't come back to the show. And they got in touch with me um, and said that they thought I'd be great for it. And so... Um, Did you audition? Couple, no, 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 I didn't audition. Nice, nice. Um, so I just had a chat with the director on Zoom. And he, after talking about the role, thought that, you know, I would be great for it. And actually, it felt like really suited my character because filmmaker um the character in death drop is a sleazy tv producer from the 90s 
And um, I just went full on like Don Juan, um, taking the suave to sleaze and being, um, you know, just really kind of, I mean, filmmaker in the show is just completely obsessed by sex. Yeah. So everything has an innuendo and, you know, a kind of sexual reference and every, and he fancies everyone. And, um, but it was just, it was, it was such a great, um, way to come out of lockdown because um, Death Drop opened in the West End on the 19th of May and theatres were only allowed to reopen on the 17th of May. We had three weeks to rehearse. Um, in fact, it's like, yeah, just just kind of three weeks. We went. That doesn't in. seem like very long. No. So, <laughs> so the West End normally, you normally get at least five weeks to rehearse a show. And so we would just, it was, to say it was intense was an understatement. Um, And that was just, it was, it was incredible. It was, I just went into that experience. We started rehearsing on the 4th of May and all kind of just full on um, non-stop rehearsing. Some days were like 13 hour days. It felt, it felt, I mean, getting that experience in the West End has been, um one of my biggest forms of training Mm -hmm. so just doing that and there's a there's a there's a west end why I say in inverted commas because doing shows in the west end are done in a particular way it's Mm -hmm. a very um it's quite kind of strict and um just just very disciplined approach to rehearsing and at first I found that hard because I was um, not a good kid at school and I don't really like rules. Mm-hmm. So, so I was like, well, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And then um, I went through the process and it taught me so much that it was it was huge. So it was just it was such a great process and such a great experience that it made me feel like once once the show opened and I do remember because I'm I'm a very confident performer and I rarely feel nervous but I do remember standing in the wings of the West End show on the opening night and I was my stomach was doing cartwheels I was just so nervous and I remember thinking, oh, my word, I can't remember the last time I felt like this. I was <laughs> I was literally and um, and we got through our first show and it was good. But it, we I remember us, the, the director talking to us after and going, you know, we could tell there were nerves within it because we were so many of us were that was our debut in the West mm. End. And it was mm. such a big deal. And it was just, you know, but that was once you've got that for me it was getting the first week out of the way yeah um and then you start to because what you're doing in a western show is is, it's all about having to play as a team because you know everyone's your lines are bouncing off everyone else and everyone else is bouncing off you and so you just all you're thinking is I need to remember my lines (laughs) and that with trying to stay in character is a really hard thing to do in front of a huge audience. So you're just like, how am I going to do this? And then as it starts to embed and then you start to enjoy it. And for me, it was probably after about week two that I really started to get into it. And then I started to enjoy it because you'd start to feel that you're in your character and then you start to let go of the nerves. And it just, it, and then it was just, it was it was amazing and they're just you just get in the flow of the performance and you start to have fun and yeah that was but that for me was such a big stepping stone for me um as a performer to be able to feel because before that I felt really confident and then I did the West End and I was like oh my word I feel like I can do anything which is a really good feeling it was it's such a joyous show as well. I saw it when it went on tour in Cruise. So sadly, I didn't get to see you in the role. I, I saw uh, Georgia Frost. Yeah, but yeah. It, it's just such it's a 
it was my first theatre experience after lockdown as well and it was so joyful and you could see the joy of the performers on stage as well because you can play with it and yeah. there was a bit of improv going on yeah. and it was just seemed really fun and I I couldn't think of a character better written for you and for yeah, John. yeah yeah um, <laughs> yeah just so perfect yeah so it was it was just it was just a really fun role to play and I just liked um, I liked flirting with all the cast and um, and the cast were amazing. And Willem, um, who plays Shad- Shazza um, in the show, um, was, was like the main character that I flirted with. And that was just hilarious because Willem's a massive flirt. Yeah, yeah. So we... Um, we bounced off each other so well because we it was just it was crazy and lots of people said that you know they noted our energy on stage <laughs> and 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 I also got to flirt with Latrice Royale which is <laughs> like um and and so that was nice because just the you know the experience of working with such a great cast and having um and just having like you learn off everyone, it was just a really lovely experience. So, um, yeah, amazing. And then this year, I did uh, my first ever panto. Yeah, you were and, Prince Eric. Yes, I was Prince Eric in Sleeping Beauty, and that what was amazing about that. So that was again, um, I didn't have to audition for. They came, that got headhunted for that role, and. Um, and that and the so imagine theater who put on the show the director is eric potts who has been a day um on the pantomime scene for years we had this chat and that went really well and then they got back to me really quickly to let me know that they wanted me to play this role and the great thing about that was that they had decided to cast a drag king in mm. a principal position in um a panto so often that is played you know Prince Charming is normally played by a man um and quite often by a straight man and so them taking that chance on um casting me was just amazing it was really it felt um there's just just so anyone if you can hear some noise in the back I've got my little rescue dogs with me and one just jumped (laughs) off the sofa and started shaking and being silly (laughs) (laughs) come on bro yeah so um but yeah so having that um having the opportunity to go into that role was just amazing and Mm -hmm. to work alongside Davina DeCampo who is now just I'm I am to say I'm a a Davina DeCampo fan is an understatement I absolutely (laughs) adore Davina she is one of the most professional people I've ever worked with and one of the most talented people so I have to say because I am going to be doing a podcast with Davina um but what I do have to say is I had never worked with Davina before and my only experience of her was seeing her in um Drag Race UK that program that shall not be named yes and um and I I didn't I I mean to say that that didn't do a justice Mm. is a complete understatement but I I just didn't really think that much of, you know, I thought, okay, yeah, she was good in it. And I did think that, you know, she um, deserved her place in it. But actually working with her and meeting her as a person, for one, she's a really, really lovely human being. Um, But for two, she, I mean, her vocal range is insane and her just a movement, a comedy time. I was like, what? What is going on here? She was just, <laughs> she was just a sensation. Yeah. And I think just it was made even better by the fact that she's such a nice person. And that was the thing that solidified her talent for me because yeah. that's really important to me that you because it feels like she's got every right to be, you know, a complete diva, but she's not. Mm. And so that was a real, just, it, it was joyous to work with her. She's an absolute, and she, she's so funny all the time. I would just be like in bits constantly. 
And so that was just great. It was like we were doing the show and that was, you know, my first panto and to just have my first panto and to be playing that role in my first panto. But then again, to be working with this really great cast and to just be, we it felt like we were a little family. So, um, and we made it to, um, we, we got closed down a week before the end of the show um, because of that pesky Omicron. Yeah. COVID gets the shows again. And so, but the one thing I would say is that I was outside of London. So we were in Northamptonshire and I was actually, I mean, we were all saying we were so glad that we weren't in London because London was shutting down so much quicker. Yeah. Um, because we were on the outskirts of, um, you know, we're kind of out and, and not too, um, not in the city. So we were managing to avoid it. And um, it was just, I mean, it was a great experience, but we were like, yeah, we, I could see places shutting down. Yeah, as it's it so was. sad really sad and so many shows got shut down in the West End and we were all going oh no is it good but um we were yeah we did quite well we we kind of we were a few days off um nearly completing the show but it is what it is and again you just got to be grateful that you know you got to the point did you bring did you bring elements of Dawn to Prince Eric or were you playing him as a, a different character yeah, do you know what I did? I did bring, um, yeah, I definitely brought elements of Don to Prince Eric, but the only thing that I found is that because as the prince, it's quite, um, in inverted commas, a straight yeah, character yeah. in a panto. So, um, so That must I, have been hard because your, your whole persona as Don is kind of very warm, very interactive and jokes. And, yeah, 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 absolutely. And so that was... That I brought those in where I could. Um, but just to say that um, playing that character, although it wasn't completely um, an opportunity for me to be my full on oneself, what it was, was an opportunity to act in a different way, mm. which is just developing my acting skills. And we worked with an incredible director on the show and that was just just having that opportunity to work with oh my word it, his name was Will and now I can't remember his surname but he's um he was a, a, a BAFTA award-winning director and so the and again such a, an amazing person to work with and gave us lots of freedom so just doing panto and the the elements that come with panto it was a really physical and b just this whole new um giving me a whole new set of skills yeah so that was just again another opportunity for me to grow and develop as a performer so I'm I'm just to start or to finish 2021 on that note was amazing for me it's incredible do you think it will have changed your style when you get back on well when you are on stage uh, being Don Juan that's a really good question um will it have changed my style I don't I, uh, possibly I do take a lot from everything that I've done but actually what it did leave me wanting to do was to get on stage and be funny again. Mm. So it has made me, um, and I've started about thinking about writing more comedy. Um, and, and so all of that kind of stuff that I take from an experience, from a performing experience just feels really important but it's definitely moved me on as a performer and everything, you know, every string that gets added to my bow, I always feel really happy about. And I feel really fortunate. I felt really fortunate to be in work up until the 27th of December um, as things were going in London mm. and just seeing everyone, you know, everywhere else, um, with stuff shutting down and I was just like gosh it feels 
I just felt really lucky. And I, I think I'm always, I always find it important to show gratitude and um, and acknowledge that I'm really grateful for the things that I have. And that's how I feel at the moment. Um, I'm feeling like I'm in this really positive space and just feeling really thankful for for last year because I know that 2021 was difficult for lots of people and I always acknowledge that because I feel like you know so many people didn't have it easy that I'm not going to be there gloating and saying you know I've done all this but I just feel glad that I've been able to do what I've what I've achieved in that year and all all I ever think about is doing bigger and better things yeah oh which I'm sure you will um well just to finish on then can we take you back to the beginning and where Don started from have you always performed where did Don come from and yeah so I have I've been performing since I was really small and I started off as a rapper Mm. and um and and then did also and then got into singing and I used to battle rap as um as a kid and um and that really helped with developing my confidence and just my vocal ability and then um I so I performed for many years out of drag and then in 2015 the competition man up Mm. started at the glory and I entered and I remember seeing this ad come up in my feed, um, in my social media feed at the time. And because I would go to the glory just for drinks and, and whatnot, because I live in East London. And it was talked about this new drag king competition. And I just looked at it and I thought, do you know what? I'd love to perform as a man because I think I'd just make a great man. And um, and also I love singing male songs. And I was just like, I'm going to enter. And, um, and it was the first time I'd ever done drag. And so I entered and my character there was not too dissimilar to how I am now, but it was very, it was much more kind of Sammy Davis Jr. looking. So I had a bit of a like trilby and um, it was still like suit and, bow tie and all that kind of stuff and um yeah kind of dinner jacket and uh, which is a lot of what I do now so I still do my performances suited and booted but um it was uh, so I created this character and I remember uh, because I would use um weave that I would cut up really small and just stick it onto my face and so the moustache and the like goatee looked really real and it was just it was a really great look and then I did um a version of so I sang That's Life the Frank Sinatra classic and um and I also did a bit of chatty the side and I was very kind of swaggery and it was I was much more of a kind of ladies man character Mm -hmm. then and um and I and and I didn't win, and I was really and I remember when they announced it, it was like I was really annoyed because that was part <laughs> of my character. I'm like I'm done one, I'm the best, da da da. <laughs> and um, Johnny Wu, who is one of the co-owners of the Glory, was on. He was hosting. He wasn't on the judging panel, but he, as I came off stage, and loads of people were going, "You were robbed!" and like, all these people were cheering, and you know, it was it was just great because I knew I'd done a really good job, and it was the first time that I'd ever performed, and so I was just happy to have done that. But Johnny literally chased after me as I came off the stage and said that he loved me and that he wanted me to perform at the Glory again, and so um, he booked me for their Saturday night cabaret. And I just then uh, went on to perform and kind of build on my persona. And it was just great. It was and and also Johnny, because Johnny liked me and Johnny does lots of stuff. He booked me. I did um, Latitude Festival with him. And and, you know, I mean, I didn't know him at all at the time, but he liked my performance style and that. And I always really like to credit him and the glory because I, they created Man Up, which is now the biggest drag king competition in the UK and maybe even in Europe. But um, and and that has brought a lot of drag kings out of, you know, just created lots of drag kings. 
and and really helped to grow the drag king community so um and he and the team at the glory have always been so supportive of you know trying to champion drag kings and so it's just it's that that competition has been such a such a such a a, a brilliant force of of promotion and now I co-host uh, Man Up with Adam Orr and the final last August was just incredible it was it was one of the first big gigs that I think we could have after lockdown and it was totally sold out yeah. at um, Earth in Dalston which is like 800 capacity and it was literally 800 people in there and it was sensational and it's just it kind of showed and the thirst from the audience for drag kings was just incredible the 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 audience were going mad the performers you know we had 16 performances and um and it was it was off the scale and it really showed the level of which drag kings have come to we are without a doubt equal to drag queens and yet still not as visible and I still get people asking me what's a drag king yeah and um and that's really frustrating but I think um I think we are moving forward and I hope um I was featured in the diva magazine um is 2022 the the year of the drag king and yes it absolutely is and of course we've been around you know ever since centuries yeah yeah (laughs) but it's about now um creating more of a focus and just more equality yes having spaces to perform in yeah 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 yeah. and not just being you know tokenized on a lineup that you Mm. just get one drag king on and you know that happens a lot and I'll take that spot do you know what I mean if it has to be but it 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 feels like there needs to be more fairness in the drag in the drag community so that you know we are um equal to drag queens which we absolutely are I love that you're also not afraid to take a gig in a different kind of space um so I know you've been performing for groups of elderly um, yes people as well which is yeah. in the daytime kind of yeah routine. so I yeah I do these daytime gigs for the posh club mm. which is um um it's a it's a it's an afternoon tea kind of dance that's been created by the people behind Ducky um which is one of the longest um, running gay nights in um london run out of the rbt on a saturday but they um created this night some years ago for older people and it's a daytime party and yeah in december just before i went to do panto i hosted quite a few of those because they've got um one in hackney one in brighton one in hastings one in Crawley um they've got they've got lots of these venues that happen and you end up with gosh it's around a couple of a hundred older people having this daytime party from 12 till 3 and Ducky bring in lots of um queer performers and drag artists so they'll have drag queens drag kings and they'll have all sorts of performers too give this audience that wouldn't normally see that kind of um, performer an opportunity to see yeah. something different. And it is amazing. And the crowd just love me. And I, yeah. I do adapt to the audience. I do like lots of kind of old school numbers for them. And I, I like singing older songs anyhow because there's just so many amazing songs from years and years gone by. But, yeah, they just they love it. Mm-hmm. And I love them. And I think that's why they lo- they love me because they can tell I'll go out and have a little dance with them and I'll do some, have some selfies with them. And they're just adorable. And so it's a really nice um, thing to do. So I, and someone did once say to me, oh, you volunteer. And I don't volunteer. I always have to make that clear that I do get booked and paid. But mm. I very much enjoy working with um that older community they're just they're just lovely and I feel like I'm giving them some joy 
It just shows how drag can transcend age, class, anything, because there's oh, been some word, amazing yeah. shows for kids as well. That Yeah, I mean, it's just, I just think, yeah, there are nice some drag story times, which I haven't done yet. Um, but I think it's, uh, yeah, drag transcends all ages and all genders and all, you know, I think it's, I think drag's for everyone. Yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, there has been more exposure through the um, through that BBC Three series, um, which is a positive for expanding drag, uh, expanding drag into the mainstream. But we really do need to now um, bring the visibility of drag kings into um, the equation. That needs to be raised, and I just think it needs to be, you know, drag kings, drag things drag queens we all need to be on this equal playing field absolutely and so that everyone can enjoy every form of drag i think that's a powerful note to end on yeah um, thank you so much it's been a real pleasure talking to you um what's next for you and where can people find out more about don and what you're up to yeah, so I will always say, because there are so many things, I'm talking to people about lots of different things. So the best way to find out what is coming next is to just follow me on social media, Don, D-O-N, and then it's the number one, Birmingham, um, because I always have to say to people, I'm not Spanish, it's not Juan, because the <laughs> amount of people that introduce me, it shows it's not Juan, I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm a brummie. <laughs> I always I have to say two things that I'm a brummie and that I and also emphasize that I live in London because people I end up missing bookings because people because my accent's so strong that everyone thinks I'm going back to Birmingham. But yeah, I've been in London 12 years now. So um Keep yeah, that accent. Oh, I am, it's going nowhere. So yeah, and then obviously check out Don Juan Chats. Um, for my podcast but yeah yes. all of these links are available I'm on Twitter and um, and Instagram and Facebook if anyone uses that still um, and yeah just check out Don Juan Birmingham and um, and find out what I'm doing next thank you I, I cannot wait it's just going to be bigger and bigger and better things for you so thanks so much oh thanks so much for having me and I've really enjoyed talking to you and I'd keep up all your good work Oh, thank you. Thank you. Hi again, it's Carly. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you want to find out more or get in touch, head over to teawithkingsandqueens.com.